Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales operations onto the show to deconstruct the why, what, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by Ebster, the leading customer engagement platform for Salesforce. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. Now, today we're joined by a guest who I'm super excited to chat with purely, well, not purely because, but partially because he's a relative newcomer to this great field. We've had people on with like 25 years experience. And from my from my knowledge and understanding, and maybe I'll be wrong, uh, Matthew Valotigara has been in the game yeah. for approximately a year. Am I accurate in saying that, Matthew? Yeah, I think with the aggregate experience, it's been just over a year now. Amazing. And so this is going to be interesting, especially because you do have extensive experience on the sales side and I always love speaking to salespeople. So let's let's kick off. Oh, well, actually, so to, to clarify, Matthew is currently the sales operations manager at Hireology. And so the first question I'd like to ask is that transition from sales into sales ops, when did that happen and why did that happen? So I think that's like a, the kind of the starter question for a lot of people in sales or revenue operations is, you know, you didn't study this in college. How did you get into it? Um, there was no kind of snap of the finger switch where I decided I wanted to be and I had the skill set to kind of move into operations. I think that was something that was kind of apparent across my career in sales. Um, I was always doing a ton of research. I was very analytical. Um, and I was a heavy, heavy believer in data dictating my pipeline. So I think kind of all those things aggregated over the course of my career and when the opportunity presented itself to get kind of that full switch into an operational um, position, it, it seemed like the, uh, the logical decision based off of what I've kind of encountered over the course of my career. So it was almost like a natural fit ever since you jumped into sales. You were that type of, that you were on the analytical side. Absolutely. I was um, actually, when I was, when I was interviewing in Hyrology, believe it or not, it was for uh, an, an account executive role. And over the course of my interview and speaking with their operations and revenue department, um, it became abundantly clear w- what a great fit I, I think mutually it would be for me to be in their sales operations department. At the same time, they kind of had a need for that opening just recently. So the interview kind of transitioned from uh, from being a part of their sales team to helping lead uh, the sales operations from. Amazing. Now, roughly how many reps and how many people in the sales ops team 
So we have about uh, a team of five analysts uh, and myself that kind of contribute to the sales picture. We're a very nimble organization in terms of our revenue operations, uh, kind of assists a little bit of everything, sales, marketing, corporate development. So a lot of different hands and a lot of different things here at Irology. Got it. And then just roughly how many reps so the audience can have a, an For idea. sales operations specifically? Uh, within the sales team. Oh, within the sales team. So we have 35 active sales reps for outbound and about another 10 on our inbound front. Awesome. And then the current uh, sales and RevOps tech stack. So it's been getting re-looked at uh, over the course of market conditions. But uh, we kind of have our bases in, uh, I think, uh, kind of your tech stack from a revenue operations standpoint should look like a strong enablement platform that we have with Groove and then um, something to enrich your data. And we have a number of different partnerships we use with organizations that we kind of see fit for our specific verticals. In the last few months, you, I assume you guys have gone more remote. Uh, I'd like to understand what, from a sales ops perspective, what the challenges have been there. Yeah, I mean... I think initially, you know, the remote environment w- was was kind of put in place because of what was happening with COVID, what was happening um, with kind of the scariness in the market. And I think the first kind of switch we had there was we sell into auto dealerships. That was a vertical that wasn't open. That was a vertical that wasn't selling. That was a vertical that essentially stood still for us for about two months. And we had half of our sales team committed to outreach, committed to their pipeline there. And it, it essentially stayed stagnant for two months. And I think the thought was, you know, what to do in those two months and uh, reallocating our resources, our sales resources, our sales minds towards divisions that were working, like healthcare, um, helping us assist with data integrity, data cleanup, some ongoing initiatives internally. We, re- we repurposed our, our labor and our resources uh, tremendously quick and to the effectiveness of kind of our overall 2020 goals. So we had that stop and pause of sales momentum, but uh, we took our sales and we turned them into essentially re- revenue operations uh, assistance. They were going through, they were helping clean and organize our data and get us to where we needed to be for when the market did pick back up. Uh, that sounds beautiful. Like if you have two months army of educated and motivated sales ops analysts. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was almost a kind of time and place fell right into our laps. I think a lot of things that these 10 plus year old uh, software companies are starting to realize is data integrity and the management of, you know, these hundreds of thousands of records, it gets pretty chunky over the years. And if you don't have like an active solution that that's helping you manage that, um, it can get pretty bulky. And a lot of that technology in terms of like data enrichment, data organization, um, helping you understand like your groups and Salesforce, all that tech's kind of being invented in the last year or two. So I think over the next year, um, as people have some time and as people look to kind of refine their internal operations, make it a little bit more lean, I think a lot of those partnerships are going to come into play in terms of let's clean up the data that we've just been stockpiling the last 10 to 12, 13 years. Yeah, I mean... A lot of what I'm hearing you saying is the, the importance of the data that the reps are, are working from. And that's what you used to be so passionate about when you were a rep. And now it seems like that's the culture that you're trying to, to breed into the hierology sales process. It, it, would I be accurate by saying yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And what's helpful there is 
we work with a lot of, of reps that share that same regard, that understand the power of data and that understand, you know, a pipeline is only as good as, as, as the data sets and the data points we have kind of running through there. So seeing their, their you know, unbearing commitment to, to kind of get in and start cleaning data. No one likes to clean data. It's not fun and there's no great process to it. So um, seeing all their motivation and, and their help over those course of, you know, about that almost a month and a half, two months of them helping out was incredibly encouraging. And I think that helped us to rethink our tech stack to understand how to get cleaner, how to get a little bit leaner and how to kind of rethink uh, 2020 from a, um, a partnership perspective with, with the vendors we were dealing with. Makes sense. So uh, apart from shifting the resources away from sectors that weren't working and then either into the sales off team or onto other sectors, do you make any other either operational or tech changes over the past few months? Yeah. So, so kind of, you know, following along on that same route, as we saw the commitment to this data, as we saw and it kind of started to scope the, the, the entirety of the problem, our, our tech stack completely revamped itself. Um, as we went through and we, we cleaned our data, what we also did in, in, in tandem was I was auditing our existing uh, tech partnerships. We had what I found to be a, a lot of redundant technologies that we were signed on and they're all kind of doing similar things in one way or another. And I think the importance um, as organizations try to get leaner and, and as they try to get um, a consolidated tech stack where you're not living in three, four, five different portals, kind of having that one stop shop, that place that can do it all, that can help you with an enablement stamp front, but it can also help you on that back end from an analytical and reporting approach. Um, having something that's fully integrated with whatever it is you're using, HubSpot, Salesforce. Uh, there's a couple of big key things that I think have been developed in that area over the course of a year that just simply weren't present two or three years ago when I was an active seller and I was using this technology. I, you know, the, the strides that they have taken just over the course of the last six to 12 months is, is, is incredible. Could you share the names of those these applications or tools? Yeah. So the one that really took, again, there are ones that are catching up, but it's some of the newer players on the scene. The one that we ultimately went, uh, ended up going to the contract with was, was Groove. And um, they fascinated me with, with, with their tech. It was something I hadn't seen before. The integrations were so native to what we were doing. It was almost like it was such a compliment to our existing operations. Whereas in the past, we were looking at these outreach programs and these other techs as something we kind of had to manage in addition to our pipelines, our reporting, our stacks and Salesforce. Ruiz came in and just plugged on to all of that. Their integration was so clean, was so seamless that the implementation um, was so refreshing to our organization to understand that there are tech companies out there that can work for you instead of kind of working against you and what might seem to be the case for a lot of these 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 B2B software companies. Awesome. Now, I, I assume that as the, the the sales landscape normalizes, you'll be like, obviously those reps will go back to the automotive space. They'll come out of the sales of the team, which will be, will be a massive shame. Um, but the, the tech changes you made are probably going to persist into the future. Absolutely. So that's what's cool. been kind of great about this process is our leadership team, they, they steered us out of the murky waters. They did an incredible job to the point where, you know, we were only a little uncertain for that month and a half, two months. Our temperatures have picked back up across verticals and we're moving in the right direction where we've reallocated all our sales reps back to their normal day to day. But what we've able, been able to do in the process is refine what they do. By cleaning that data and by partnering with these new organizations that help kind of provide a more seamless 
pipeline for them, seamless pipeline management for them. They opened up a lot of time in their day. They're getting a lot more creative. They're doing a lot more things on the side. They're playing around with content. Uh, they're segmenting their book. I've had more requests uh, from reps to understand Salesforce reporting in the past three months than I have in my entire career in operation. To me, is is an overwhelming positive signal of we like what we're seeing. We want to learn more. You know, how can we get more efficient? How can we get better at, at this this strategy? I mean, it sounds like I don't want to be positive about the whole COVID situation, but it sounds like you guys have taken that and used it, turned that into something positive for your sales process and for the reps. Yeah. I mean, I think taking something as catastrophic as a pandemic and trying to take a, a glass half full approach is going to be important because everyone has been impacted by this in one way or another. Um, and I think a lot of these companies, we were in a stage everyone is in hyper growth from 2017 to 2020, at least since I've been, you know, a professional, all I hear about is hyper growth, hyper growth, hyper growth, hyper growth, hyper growth. You know, we want to be the fast to X, Y, and Z. And I think what it gave us as a company is time to sit back and say, we're not in a position to be growing, whether we like it or not. What can we do internally to set ourselves up for its success when we do start that up again? And I think those two months whether we like to have them or not, we're, we're incredibly beneficial from an operational piece, from an organizational whole piece. For sure. Now, how have the targets or objectives changed for the year? Have you just, say, frozen those two months, removed those from the forecast and are carrying on, carrying on as normal? No. I think it's incredibly important to understand what happened in those two months. If you're going forward with the assumption that this is never going to happen again and we're back on the straight and narrow, then you are extremely naive. And I think understanding what happened in those two months and if there were to be another sudden pause in business, what can we do to be not as reactionary, but be proactive? How can we see this coming um, and have a little bit more foresight into the glimpse of our reality? So I think understanding those two months um, in terms of how to... Uh, how to provide a system of security for yourself in the future is important. Now, having those to forecast in when, you know, these next couple months is, is, is not going to be as accurate as you'd like. I think from a KPI, from a forecasting standpoint, all this does is it narrowed the scope in terms of we need to be looking at, at temperatures and activity week over week, not month over month or quarter over quarter. The more granular we can get um, and understand what's kind of happening day over day in, in each of our markets is going to help us to be as accurate as possible when it comes to budgeting and forecasting. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. With like prepping for an uncertain future, how is it possible to forecast? And I think your answer is right. It's just if to try and look almost day by day at what's going on, and that can help you build some kind of a accurate picture of what might happen in in the following week, but definitely not next quarter. Yeah. Um, and then moving on to KPIs. So from your from the I think it's approximately nine months in the role, what has been the most insightful sales related KPI for you? It's a great question. Now I think that's probably something that can kind of change depending on which vertical you're looking at and which month. But I think something that has been overwhelmingly stayed consistent, whether that been in times of COVID, whether that been in times of progress, is our call to set ratio. How easy is it to get people to field a potential conversation revolving around buying? 
we deal with very direct customers. We deal with auto dealerships and healthcare facilities. These are people that are in a need of a solution or are not. So the it's very easy to kind of get that indication of where they're at. And being able to understand how, how, how reluctant are they to get on the phone and to get scheduled or how easy it is to get them kind of on a chat for a demo helps us kind of dictate the buying temperatures across the industry. And so with, so that's, sorry, just to confirm, that that's the ratio of how many calls to how many like meetings to talk about their solution. Exactly. How many calls does it take to get them to agree um, to a meeting? Yeah. Call awesome. And was it like... Has that always been your most insightful met- metric, like pre-COVID, during, and, and even now? Has that been the one that you're following? And that, as you said, gives you the best insight of the temperature in the market. So that's been like the core one over the time you've been at Hireology. I think in the past, we used uh, a more aggregated system uh, of what we had available in terms of average deal size. How many deals were we going through in that market? But you know, our average price has fluctuated with how people are in line with their budget. We've, we've, we've gone to trial approaches. We've gone to being a little bit more flexible in how we look at a contract uh, is because that's the reality of the situation. People don't have the budget that they had in January of 2020. And to be selling and looking at data in that same way would be kind of shooting yourself in the foot. I think a big controllable we have there though is our inputs. Our calls um, is something we will always control as a company. That is something that as long as we have sales reps, we can guideline and we can monitor and I think looking at that in relation to how willing are they to open their doors and have this conversation, that gives you the best temperature in terms of how likely am I to actually get a contract across the table and, and, and truly entertain. Got it. And so were you looking at, say, a week-on-week basis and you saw that that metric, I'm trying to think if it would drop off, it would go sky high, um, in like March, April time? Like, did you see yeah. that happening in the numbers? Yeah. So- so traditionally, we've been very strong in auto and healthcare was our growing vertical. What we saw in March and April was kind of a flip between the two. In the past, it was much easier to get these auto dealerships to set and to have conversations and to entertain our solutions. As they closed their doors and as they shifted to, how am I going to keep my company alive? We went on the back burner. On that same flip side, though, healthcare was a, was a vertical where they said, we need bodies. We need to hire people. We need a solution that can help us organize and at that same time is when we saw started to see our call to set ratio in healthcare drop as as inversely it went up and on. So I think understanding your verticals, understanding your markets is 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 a big part of that too. Got it. Yeah. So you kind of you could have seen like the impact of COVID in like real time by tracking that with from, from all your reps every day, right? It's super interesting. And, yeah, and I think that's what's important when I say you know take March, take April's data and understand it so that in the future, if you start to see trends, you know, there's always this talk of second wave or, you know, long-term, you know, debilitating effects that, that COVID has had on our marketplace. Understanding those and being able to predict those is going to help you have a more proactive future. Um, whereas opposed to March, 2020, everyone was kind of hit in the face with a brick wall and was scrambling to kind of put the pieces in place. Agreed. Awesome. Well, now onto the two most important questions. Um, who has t- taught you what you know or inspired or educated you the most uh, in your sales or sales ops career? That is an awesome question. Um, I think the most important piece to anyone seeking a new job is, and this is something I will never, ever, ever take a role. I don't feel comfortable. I have a mentor in there. I have someone that I can always rely on, that I can always guide to. And 
throughout my past positions, I've had some incredible mentors. My my first job was um, actually the first employee of a company called Mola Solutions that has about 250 employees. They're they're very buzzy around Chicago, and I I got to work hand in hand with a gentleman named Andrew Silver, who's their CEO and founder, and he taught me the importance of leveraging that data, that insight into a sales cycle. He was a salesman in his heart. You know, that's where he came up. That's where he grew up in. He was, he did it for 15 years prior to founding that company. And I think getting to see how successful he was by understanding those types of insights helped me kind of curate my sales career and what I like to do uh, over the course of that time. But Speaking largely, I think that anytime you're going into a role, you should always feel very confident. You have a mentor and someone that's going to push you to grow at every stage of your career. If not, you should be running for the door. Yeah. And then finally, who is one person in the sales ops world that that you know or or don't know that you'd like to take for lunch? I will kick it up uh, to Mr. Todd Capone. He was uh, the former chief revenue officer of a company called Power Reviews. And I got the opportunity actually to be in a program with him at my last company. Um, it was called Venture Scale, and he led sessions on early stage tech uh, startup and how to kind of accelerate your sales process. And I feel like every time I talk to him, I learn something insightful. I learn something new. So th- there's never a bad lunch with that guy. Amazing. Well, Matthew, I if, if two things I really liked about this discussion. First is I love the way you guys, I mean, it's probably the whole of higher hierology or the revenue department kind of took the turbulence of the virus and have changed the way you sell to be more efficient and productive going forward. And then I also love that you have this metric that can almost predict a potential second wave. So I think that is super cool. Um, and I haven't discussed anything like that in any other episodes. So Matthew, thank you so much for jumping on. Of course. I appreciate the time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales of Demystified podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.